because you can bet your sweet ass Hillary doesn't care about the Yankees, and we don't need someone clogging up Congress with bills about poor people. We need a Yankee fan. Oh, and one more thing. Live from New York, it's Saturday night! It's Saturday Night Live! Yeah, oh man. Everybody fucking called off today. We had seven people missing. You just opened your can. Oh shit. <laughs> I got another one. Oh, I guess we gotta start now. Were you recording? I am recording. <laughs> All right. Well, it's already open. Do you like it a juice? Do you I'll like save it? that work story but for later. I'm I'm lost now. I don't know if I like this juice or not. The can just completely threw me off. I accidentally started the podcast. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna preamble for a sec. All right. Well, let's get Sometimes into. Sometimes George just wants a drink, and that just means we have a <laughs> podcast starting. Oh man. All right. Well, I guess we're starting here. Uh, welcome to Saturday Night Jive, the podcast that we uh, are completely professionals in doing. We always know when we're starting. And this week we watched an episode of Saturday Night Live with my favorite SNL cast member of all time, Norm fucking McDonald. I wonder that, thinking about that, because is it fair to even say he's your favorite? I mean, certainly my favorite Weekend Update host, but he was kind of barely a cast member other than that. I feel like it's kind of weird to say he's your favorite cast member. It, it, there was a, in the like the Will Ferrell first year of Will Ferrell, he was in a bunch of sketches. See, I, I still go Chris Farley just because like every time he was in a sketch, I liked that. I liked him in that sketch, and he was actually in a bunch of sketches. Yeah, but Farley had some bad shit too. I can't think of one Norm sketch on SNL that I disliked. Well, Farley was in bad sketches, but I don't That's know true. that Farley was ever bad in a sketch. I could point you to a season 20 episode. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of the Bob Saget episode in particular, where he played like a big fat gay stereotype. Oh, well, I mean, can you even... Bl- that's... We're, we're talking about Saturday Night Live here. <laughs> Stereotypes <laughs> and offensive... I mean, we're talking... We Last episode, we watched Terry Sweeney in blackface. I feel like if it's just cringeworthy in that sense, then I feel like you can't even count it. Yeah, so yeah, after two uh, like meta-ish episodes of SNL, this is like a proper one. So, do you like this SNL better, or do you like the experimental SNL better? Oh, this was certainly more enjoyable than either of those other two episodes. Uh, right. Still, not as funny as I remembered it. I, I think I, I kind of held this in high regard because of how much I love Norm. But uh, yeah, this is like basically what I would hope would be an average episode of the show. Yeah, it really fell off the fucking rails at the end. I don't remember anything past Weekend Update from when I watched this like when I was a kid or when it first came out. I remember all the beginning stuff. Maybe I only taped like the first half of the show and that's the only part I've ever watched. Yeah, now that you mention it, like that Dennis sketch, I had no memory of that when it came on. Nope. Don't remember that. I don't remember the Michael Jackson thing. And um, I feel I've like, seen the James Lipton one before. I feel like I yeah, was inserting other sketches that Norm did. Like I was thinking like the, um, the one of my favorite Norm sketches, which yeah couldn't have been this late late into the series, uh, was uh, the um, the West Side Story one where he's afraid of getting stabbed by Puerto Ricans. For some reason, oh, I was yeah. thinking that was in this episode. No, that was Robert Downey Jr. episode from a season he was a cast member on. So yeah, Norm Macdonald got fired from Weekend Update, and then like two years later, he gets to host the show. I think just because his sitcom was on. Which, uh, the Norm show, or they changed it to Norm. We were both avid fans of it. Yeah. And 99, I think that's what he would have been promoting. I would say, and even though he didn't mention it in the monologue, I, that's an underrated show. I don't know why pe- more people don't talk about that. I guess it only oh, was like three show. seasons, but... Uh, yeah, I think so. But um, yeah, the guy who created that with Norm also created like Roseanne and I think like the Drew Carey show well yeah because I remember the Drew Carey people were always like on the show they would do like crossovers and shit yeah well that's also because it was on ABC and they would do that shit all the time that yeah I think they were like the worst of that like you know they'd have like a whole week of like themed like we're all whose lines in any way is popular so all our shows are going to be improv this week and it's like half of them suck I do remember that. Yeah, they would do live episodes of Drew Carey. Remember when, like, everybody went to Disney World? Like, <laughs> Well, that was not that was a TGIF thing, wasn't it? Or was that also Drew Carey? 
Uh, oh, no. I, they did it, too, I think. I remember TGIF I, doing it. Yeah, and I remember there was an episode of Drew Carey's show <laughs> where he met Coach from Coach, like, at Disney World. I don't remember that. Well, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't watch that show religiously. I remember it being on, but I'm, I don't have, like, a lot of fond memories of it. Yeah, it was, you know. I, I was just a teenager when it was on, and... I was just thinking about that because uh, mom and I went to, to eat we went to, to, to a restaurant because we're you know we could do that now, and uh, King of Queens was on the TV in like the background and I was like trying to remember like when's the last time I actually sat down and watched a three camera sitcom and it's been fucking years. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any. What's the last one I enjoyed? Uh, How I Met Your Mother, I guess, and that's been off for several yeah. years now. But that didn't. I mean that. I think it used canned laughter, but I don't think they had a studio audience. And it was more experimental than a typical three-camera sitcom, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I think they just sweetened that with a laugh track. Um, all right. Well, anyway, why are we talking about that shit? Because I don't want to talk about this boring-ass episode. <laughs> Ew, there was some boring shit. Yeah, uh, I don't... I took very minimal notes on it. I have, like, one line for each sketch. This My line here is, hey... Remember when Rudy Giuliani was just a lovable blowhard and not a fucking traitor to his country? I don't know. I don't. Uh, Daryl Hammond shows up as Rudy Giuliani for a straight-to-camera political cold open, which are usually death to me. I hate these, but I got some solid laughs out of here when he's talking about the wager he's making with the Atlanta mayor on the World Series, and it gets more and more absurd to where he's. He's wagering that he'll dress up like Scarlett O'Hara and you can go to town with me with a plunger. Well, to be fair, that's not absurd at all because Rudy Giuliani is a documented transvestite. I know. When he said that, I was like, oh, that's pretty, that hits close to home, I think, with Giuliani. <laughs> well, finally, I said, okay, Mayor of Hee Haw Land, here it is. The Yankees win, we get the severed head of John Rocca on a stick. Braves win, I'll dress up like Scarlett O'Hara, you can romance me with a plunger. That's when he hung up. Because he's terrified of my Yankees! Well, I, the thing that saves this from what that normally is, is most of the time when you, they do like the political quote open sketches, it's the, what I call the South Park syndrome, where... And I haven't done this, but I imagine if you watched any episode of South Park before the last five years, you just wouldn't remember any of the references to whatever current events they were talking about. So, like, it wouldn't work at all. And I feel like all the political, like, and it happened several times in this episode where I was like, wait, was this before or after that thing happened? Or sometimes I just wouldn't even know what had happened that they were referencing. But this, it's like, it, it's a Yankee game. I know what Yankee games are, so I think it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is decent. Um... <laughs> got nothing else to say about it but yeah it's uh this and later on we get martha stewart <laughs> and it's both like wow we're watching a 20 year old episode of saturday night live when giuliani was a respected citizen and martha stewart was uh proud of her stock market prowess but i just i do think it's interesting with giuliani here because the impression i feel like if you did an impression now of course now the impression is i believe uh kate mckinnon right yeah and, like, I mean, whatever you want to say about Kate McKinnon on the show or her performance or that impression, that captures, like, the weaseliness that I feel like existed here, too. He's just playing, like, a, like a dumb New Yorker. Yeah, I do really don't get his impression. I'm really only familiar with Rudy Giuliani from when he hosted Saturday Night Live. And he didn't sound like this. And I feel like, was that post-9-11 Rudy Giuliani when he hosted? No, that was... I think Norm Macdonald was in the cast when he hosted, so it would have been, like, before this. Because this is 1999, so this is, you know, yeah. only a few years out. And so, yeah, the, the you know, I'm guessing after this, had they done an impression of him, I don't know if they ever did after that, it would have been, like, I'm the hero of New York, Rudy Giuliani. I'm, I'm sure that would be fucking insufferable. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess Giuliani wasn't as recognizable as he became after 9-11. Um, but anyway, let's get to the monologue, which... I think if I was going to have to pick my favorite SNL monologue of all time, it would be this one. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's the one of the few that's like memorable to me. I mean, monologues are easily the most forgettable part of any given episode. Uh, and I can't really think, like, I don't think I could come up with even a top five list of my favorites. Other than like, you know, like the, the big ones like Five Timers Club and shit like that, like the Tom Hanks one, but... But yeah, this is definitely one that I, I very much remember. I felt kind of weird, you know. I, I don't know if you remember this, 
but uh, I used to actually be on this show. You know? uh, I used to do the uh, weekend update news routine. You remember that? And uh, yeah, that's where I did the make-believe news jokes. You know, that was me, right? So then. A year and a half ago, right, I had a sort of a, a disagreement with the management at, uh, at the NBC. Uh, I wanted to keep my job, right? And they felt the exact opposite. So, so you see, they, like, uh, they fired me because they said that I wasn't funny, you know? Now... Now, with most jobs, I could have had a hell of a lawsuit on my hands for that, but, but see, this is a comedy show. So they got me, you know, you know, I, you know I, But now, this is the weird part, right? It's only a year and a half later, and now they asked me to host the show. So I wondered, I go, hey, wait a second here. Hey! I go, how did I go in a year and a half from being not funny enough to be even allowed in the building <laughs> to being so funny that I'm now hosting the show. How did I suddenly get so goddamn funny? inexplicable to me because a year and a half let's face it is not enough time for a dude to learn how to be funny <laughs> then it occurred to me I haven't gotten funnier the show has gotten really bad <laughs> so yeah I'm funny compared to you know well you'll see later <laughs> Okay, so let's recap. The bad news is, I'm still not funny. The good news is, the show blows. My, my thing with this, though, is, how much of this is really all in good fun? I was watching the head of... Who's the, the, the guy behind him on, uh, well, I guess, the right? I was going to say the right, if you're looking at it. The band leader? Yeah, is he the band leader? Lenny Pickett? Lenny Pickett. I was paying attention to like, when he was laughing and when he wasn't, as Norm was basically ragging on the show and also ragging on himself. But, like, I don't know. To what extent is this, like, yeah, fuck your show for firing me? Yeah, and I, I think, if I remember correctly, like, well, I know he didn't say goddamn in rehearsal, but I think he changed it up between dress and live TV just so to, like, pull one over on him a little bit. Um, but yeah, he does say goddamn, and then he says goddamn two more times in the last sketch, which are both bleeped in reruns. You can't say that on television. Well, of course... At least back then, he couldn't. I don't know. I wonder how much they cared about that, just considering the the, two, the dentist sketch. I mean, he calls his wife a whore at the end of that. <laughs> That's fine. You can call your wife a whore. You just can't say goddamn whore. But yeah, no, but I, I can see... If, yeah, I, I mean, at least it's a good story to think that, you know, he, that was his little fuck you to, to them for firing him. Yeah, <laughs> they fired me for not being funny, but now I'm hosting the show. So how did I get so goddamn funny? Of course, it, it also seems weird to me that the Norm show was big enough to justify him coming back and hosting. Like nobody really watched that show, did they? I feel like he was a like a kind of a, like this was the height of his celebrity. Well, probably because like the show was just premiering, and I think it got like big ratings when it started because the story was. People thought it was a Cheers spinoff. What? Oh, <laughs> wait! How fucking long was Cheers off the air when Norm came on? Oh, like probably six or seven years. But that was a story. Like the first episode of Norm got like big ratings because people were like, "Oh yeah, Norm, Norm from Cheers. Huh, I'd love that." And then I'm like, Who, "What the fuck, Norm McDonald?" I just like that people think, like, because like Cheers is on, and then I guess Frasier would have still been on at the time, or maybe yeah. just got got ended. I don't know, but uh, like. They're like, okay, we had Cheers, and then we had Frasier. We're not going to spin off Niles or something like that that would make sense. We're going to go all the way back to Norm. <laughs> and put it on, I think, a different network. Cheers was an ABC, was it? No, that was NBC. Yeah. yeah no, well, we've discussed this many times. Fucking People are fucking stupid. People don't know shit. Oh, man, yeah. But still, great show, Norm. 
<laughs> much better than any episode of that show, much better than this episode of Saturday Night Live, the long-running seminal series that has influenced so much of comedy. Remember remember, Mr. Denby? He was funny. Is Max Wright still alive, or did he die of a cocaine overdose at some point? Uh, no, I think he's still alive. I just don't think he's working anymore. I think he... He's probably Started smoking crack. Well, he's probably so old. I don't know if he's. He's probably just like like Dabney Coleman. I looked him up. Apparently, he's still alive. Uh, for my other podcast this week, we watched Nine to Five, and I was like, he. I, I could have sworn he was dead. Nope, but he's just like ninety. Oh, uh, now I, does he still work? I don't think so. His last thing was like in twenty fifteen or something. I was just gonna say, no, I see Dabney Coleman all the time. That dude is in every fucking movie. Oh wait, no, he's just in every stupid movie we watch. <laughs> On this podcast from 1987. Oh, by the way, if you're wondering, 9 to 5, if you thought it was good, doesn't hold up. It's a piece of shit. I'd never seen it before. I fucking hated it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that. Like, in its entire... He's good in it, but it's just not not a good movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah, also not a great sketch, Martha Stewart living. I'm Martha Stewart, and this week, I hit the mother load. On Tuesday, I sold 7.5 million shares of myself to you, the apple-picking, antique-collecting, recklessly e-trading public. Martha Stewart is one of the most successful IPOs in Wall Street history. The soothing aroma of money. It's a scent I really cherish. Only funny in hindsight. This is weird. Like, the sketch is not funny. It's just Martha Stewart saying, like, hey, I'm... Uh, you can buy stock in Martha Stewart Living now, and it you know the stock's through the roof, and I'm making fucking insane money, and you guys should all be jealous of me. And that's the joke of the sketch, is just that she's a success. But it's funny 20 years later when you realize, oh, this is the shit that you know, fucking put her in prison. But more than that, and yeah, it is fucking weird to watch, but just the fact that like this is a whole sketch built around the idea that Martha Stewart, or the news story that Martha Stewart sold her stocks... I feel like, certainly at the time, I would not have been aware of that news story, but even if I was an adult who, like, just ingested news regularly, I don't think I would have been paying attention to, like, fucking Wall Street news about Martha Stewart to the point where they did a sketch, and then they did a joke about it in Weekend Update, basically the same joke. Who gives a fuck about Martha Stewart selling her stock? Yeah, it must have been, like, a slow period of the news, because this is, uh, we're post-Lewinsky, but we're uh, pre-2000 election, so, like... What the fuck was really going on? I guess, yeah, because it's yeah, it's not even you know the the big sort of Gore Bush stuff that that you know a year later that that kind of put him back on the map. Yeah, yeah, there's re- there were really no big political stories, which is good. I hate fucking like if we had to watch like a debate cold open, ugh, I would, yeah, I would hate that shit. Yeah, well, and also just like I said, it's it's the South Park syndrome. Even if it's a, even if it might have been a funny sketch at the time, if you were aware of the news story, once you're you know twenty years out, it's like what the fuck was happening at the time? Okay, I guess that's a reference that I might have laughed at. Yeah, and then you get in a weird zone where it's like, well, I didn't laugh at that joke. Uh, it must be too topical for me to get twenty years later when it could have just been a bad joke to begin with. Yeah, uh, and then you have the next sketch, which is a reference to to Lou Gehrig from right. whatever the nineteen thirties or. I don't even know when that was. Well, yeah, this is timeless. Great moments in sports history. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I was being sarcastic. I'm unlucky. I may be the unluckiest man on the face of the earth. I have a disease so rare they named it after me. This is the sketch I remember the most from this episode, and it's like two minutes long. Yeah, I'm the luckiest man in the world. No, no, I'm being sarcastic. I have a disease so rare they named it after me. With this and the Larry King sketch... And maybe even the Dennis sketch, that feels like, as much as it, I don't think it came together, it feels like a norm bit. This feels like, like let's use this as an excuse to do all those sketches that Norm pitched in the room when he was on, but didn't get through for whatever reason. Yeah. Let's do the Lou Gehrig sketch. Remember that? That was funny in the room, but the, the host nixed it or something. Yeah. Well, th- this would have been, uh, this reminded me of like, uh, remember his uh, album of sketch comedy? Which well, I remember enjoying. 
Yeah, no, I think that was really funny. But uh, th- this that reminded me of something that would have, like, maybe he cut it from that. Like, oh, that's too short to be on my album, but yeah. put me in a Yankees well, I, jersey. I just think I remember that album. There was a Fantastic Four sketch that f- easily felt like I pitched this on SNL and, like, nobody knew what the Fantastic Four was or something. Yeah, there was one, maybe two, but there's at least one sketch on that album that is stolen from SNL. Uh, like, the, the, uh, m- the multiple personality therapist sketch, I remember, was a yeah. Roseanne, uh, the Roseanne hosting episode. Yeah, he did that on Saturday Night Live. So yeah, I think that whole album is just like rejected sketches. Well, isn't that, um, what's the show? The guy, I, I only know him, but there's a sketch on his Netflix show where he's in a hot dog suit. And I remember we got him once in the role and it was like, who the fuck was that guy? Do you know what I'm talking about? Tim Robinson? Is that it? Tim? I think it's like, you you have to leave now or something. I can't, is that yeah. It? I feel like he said that like that, sh- that show is just all the sketches he pitched on SNL and never got on. I I I loved that. We watched the Justin Bieber episode for Tim Robinson. Oh, I loved right. Tim Robinson and every sketch he was in that like he wrote. I was like, that's a classic. This guy's gonna be around forever. And then yeah, one season later they can him. Yeah, I think I, I either saw or read an interview or something with him where he was like, yeah, this is just all of my rejected SNL sketches in a show. Oh yeah, now he was hilarious. I still haven't watched it yet. Um, it looks funny. But yeah, no, as much as I praise him, I haven't watched that fucking show either. It's on Netflix. You can watch it anytime. I think it just got another season. I got twenty-year-old episodes of SNL to watch. Damn it! Well, after uh, the uh, uh, the great moments in history sketch, we have uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. Oh, you don't like this? I just think they beat it into the ground so much that now every time I see it, I just remember all the times I saw it and was sick of it, and it just like translates over to me being sick of it now. Yeah, but uh, well, Norm wrote this originally. He wrote the original Celebrity Jeopardy sketch as an excuse to do his his Burt Reynolds impression. Well, and that was the other thing with this, is I'm watching it now and going like, all of these people are dead, maybe even French Stewart for all I know, but at least... <laughs> Alex Trebek, Burt Reynolds, and Sean Connery are all dead now. It's like when you watch a dog in an old movie. It's like, I'm pretty sure that dog's fucking dead. Are you talking about, like, uh, the movie Dog Gone starring French Stewart? I'm pretty sure French Stewart and that dog are both dead. I think they both committed, you know, murder-suicide right after they filmed that movie. Well, at the very least, uh, French Stewart's career is dead. I I love Celebrity Jack. This one's got some classics, too. It's got uh, Turd Ferguson. Hey, uh, check out the podium. Look at this. Mr. Reynolds has apparently changed his name to Turd Ferguson. Yeah, that's right. Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. I feel like, well, you said he did his Burt Reynolds on, the, like, the first one, and I'm assuming Sean Connery was probably also on that sketch. I don't know if no. I remember. Really? Yeah, Sean Connery was a later edition. Because I feel like I remember this this specific version of this sketch more, like, this is like the prototypical Celebrity Jeopardy sketch for me. Yeah, I think this is the one they show in, like, best ofs. Yeah. Um, Even though, yeah, Norm was not a, 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 a cast member at the time. And, I, I mean, it's fine for what it is. It is exactly what you remember it to be. Um, Sean Connery's funny in it and making fun of him. The thing that I kept going back to was French Stewart. Yeah, it's Jimmy fucking Fallon, man. It's not even that. I mean, yes, he does suck. But the problem is, like, why do French Stewart... Like, because the joke of the sketch is... These characters have their public persona, like the Sean Connery character. That's like you saw that interview where he was like, yeah, I slap a woman. And then you just extrapolate that into his character. And then Burt Reynolds, his aloofness, you know, in media appearances. French Stewart didn't have that. He's just playing his character on the show he was on. Like, that's not who French Stewart is. Like, I know enough to know that TV shows aren't real. Like, why, why not just pick another person... Like Howard, he did. He played Howard Stern, I think, in the last sketch. Have did he, he? Have him play Howard, did he Stern. Play Howard Stern? At least that's a character. Like that makes sense that he would be on Celebrity mm-hmm. Jeopardy and not French Stewart's character from Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, Celebrity Jeopardy always had like a third contestant problem because you, you had Norma's Burt Reynolds was always funny, Daryl Hammond as Sean Connery always funny, and then there would always be like some other person. Um, Jimmy Fallon did a lot of. I remember one time he was Hillary Swank. And, uh, well, so he played Robin Williams, I think. And, like, neither of those were funny. And then sometimes you get the host in. I want to like, say Toby Toby Maguire played. Reeves. Oh, was it Keanu Reeves? For some reason, I was remembering him as Dustin Diamond from Saved by the Bell. Oh, he played Dustin Diamond in a Inside the Actor's Studio sketch. Oh, okay, that's what I'm mixing up then. Okay. Yeah, Which we also get like, at the end of this episode. The worst, and I guess this is the only time I can talk about it, 
Matthew Perry as Michael Keaton. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. Uh, that was like a very questionable choice for an impression because it just was like Matthew Perry going, "I'm Batman." I'm like, well, that's that's not all Michael Keaton says. Yeah, well. I mean, Plus, this is like 1997 when Michael Keaton hasn't been Batman in 10 years. I don't know. Well, as I say, this is the last time we're going to talk about it. I was trying to think, is there anything notable about the, the uh, Matthew Perry episode? Uh, nope. I don't know. It's a random-ass episode of SNL, so probably not. Uh, but yeah, this, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. Part of me is just I know the beats of this so well that yeah. I'm not laughing at it at all. Even if I, I mean, I'm sure I found, I laughed at it, and then for years I probably found it charming. Now it's just like, it's another fucking recurring sketch. Just get it over with. Yeah, it's a it's a class. It was a classic then. Now it's kind of diminishing returns just because you you've seen not just this sketch but other in, incarnations of the same joke. Like as soon as you see a petite déjeuner flash on the thing, I was like ape tit. I'm like all right, I I got it. Why you give me ape tit for two hundred? It's not ape tit. That is because we're gonna premiere maybe next time. Maybe uh, I don't know, but uh, a new series on this show where we're gonna do, just just do the recurring characters. Like, we're going to, like, watch every It's Pat, you know, and every, you know, version of uh, all the racist ones, like Ching Chang. <laughs> I know, we got to do a, a Ching Chang series. Here's the thing, by the way. I suggested this to you, and I was like, hey, remember Nick Burns, your company's computer guy, the Nick Fallon sketch, or Nick Fallon, the uh, Jimmy Fallon sketch? We're both IT guys now. Let's talk about that with our experience. We could watch all the Nick Burns sketches. And I know those aren't good sketches, but that would be the draw. And you immediately come back with, yeah, and then we could do Ching Chang. <laughs> We're gonna fucking, if you're going to tell me, hey, we're going to watch every uh, incarnation of a recurring character, first one that pops in my mind, Ching Chang. And by the way, I didn't even remember that. I was thinking you were referring to the Mike Myers racist Chinese guy sketch, but that's an entirely different Dana Carvey racist Asian guy sketch. Yeah, I don't they think both they both had one. Myers. I don't. Did Mike Myers have a recurring one? I know they did that at least twice, where he was like a he, like a fortune cookie salesman or something. Oh, he played Chinese guys a lot. But I, I don't know if he had a specific recurring character, but Dana Carvey did Ching Chang. Like, there's like eight Ching Chang sketches. I know there's at least two of the same Michael Myers. Mike Myers, uh, fortune cookie. Like, he's like an ancient Chinese guy. Like, I, I know I saw that at least twice, probably multiple Maybe. times. Yeah, no, Mike Myers. I, I was just, because I, I fucking restarted my blog, so I was watching old episodes of Saturday Night Live, and I'm, I'm in the Fred Armisen era, and I'm like, Billy Crystal, Mike Myers, Fred Armisen, all three, fuck all of them. Like, they were just nothing but racist and fucking homophobic on the goddamn and, show. And, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to, like, forgive Fred Armisen just because he's already sort of ethnically ambiguous. So, like, I mean, as much as, like, you know, like when Billy Crystal's in blackface, you know, it's a white guy playing a black guy. When Terry Sweeney's playing a black lady, it's like, that's, ugh. But, like, Fred Armisen, like when Fred Armisen played Obama, a lot of people were mad about it. But, like, I was kind of like, yeah, right, it's fine. It's, you know, it works well enough. I don't, I don't necessarily condemn it morally in the same way that I would condemn, like, if Jimmy Fallon had played Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, but he did it, like, all the time. As I'm watching SNL episodes with Fred Armisen... It's like every fucking Fred Armisen character is either a race that he is not, uh, flamboyantly gay, uh, what else does he do? And then, like, people with disabilities. Like, he has a blind character, he has a deaf character, um, he has two blind characters, actually. But yeah, one of his characters is like a blind stand-up, or a deaf stand-up comic, and the whole bit is he's like, now, what do you what do you think about that as far as representation goes? Because, like, I get, like, yeah, you're not going to have a white guy play a black guy. You're not going to do, like, that where you could easily just hire a black guy. But, like, when somebody's, like, in a wheelchair, there are people that think, like, no, you have to hire an actor that's actually in a wheelchair to play that part. That's where I feel like they go too far. I feel like, no, you could just fucking pretend to be in a wheelchair. Yeah. I mean, I get the, the thing because, like, there are, like, disabled actors, and it's like, well, I can only play people who are disabled because I can't walk, so why does this person get to, you know, take a job from me? But also, like, you know... Maybe you're not you're... a good Stephen Hawking. Yeah, I was going to say, like, in my left foot, like, all right, let's find a guy to play Christy Brown. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is good. You know, I guess we'll do a worldwide search for someone with cerebral palsy who can also act. Who is also as good as Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. Uh, like, yeah, it's, you know... But, like, is... as long as the... 
Yeah, as long as you're not being offensive by it. You know, as long as it's, like, in comedy, I, I, I don't think you should do it. I, you know, I don't... You shouldn't be, like, a deaf guy and go, like, Hey, the joke is that I'm deaf. <laughs> well, sure, but I'm just saying, in retrospect, Homer and Eddie is entirely faultless. <laughs> That's what I was getting. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, that, uh, that always bugs me. Uh, you know, it depends on how it's handled, but... I would, I'm not going to say absolutely never do it, but Jim Belushi should absolutely never do it. Oh, right, let's get to the, the next sketch. I did actually kind of like the next sketch. Yeah, I like this. Uh, there's no fucking norm in it, though, but... Yeah. Well, he, he was too busy getting into his Larry King makeup, I think. <laughs> That's what I think, too. I think he's not in this because he's Larry King in the next two sketches. Um, but this one's got Chris Parnell in it, and man, Chris Parnell... He's, uh, he's maybe in my top ten favorite SNL cast I members. would say so as well. I never fucking saw Chris Parnell break on SNL. Always nailed the jokes. Always professional. Always hilarious. Well, he's and he's in that list with like um, like Taron Killam and... Um, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Dude from uh, uh, Barry. Uh, Jason Sudeikis? Well, Jason oh, Sudeikis, Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Those kind of like utility actors... Like they're just they're always they they can be background guys or side guys or they can lead a sketch. They're just like consummate professional cast members. Yeah. Um I may drop Bill Hader out of that. He giggled a lot. I'm not even saying about breaking, I just mean like just their utility, their ability oh, yeah. to be in any kind of sketch. You know, they they didn't have a big head on their shoulders, so to where like, you know, like some actors or some cast members like like your Adam Sandlers, you feel like maybe they like they're they're in sketches that they feel they're too good for, so they're not trying hard. Whereas, like, they were always always up for anything. Well, yeah, and the other thing is, you could give... They could have one line in a sketch, and it's going to be the funniest line in the sketch. Like, they will single-handedly save a shitty sketch just with, like, a look. Well, just him in this, because he's the, basically the straight guy, or at least the closest to a straight guy in this sketch, and his yeah. are the lines I laughed at the most. Oh, yeah, that's why he was great, because when you can get line or when you can get laughs as the straight man... That's fucking worth its weight in gold. Phil Hartman had that. Sudeikis had that. Chris Parnell had that. When you can play the guy with no funny lines, but somehow get all the funny lines. And that's because like when you, I mentioned my favorite cast member was Chris Farley. He's not that guy. I mean, he is that guy in the sense that he was always funny, but he was always funny for, like I feel like, the same reason, just because he was like a walking, charismatic goofball. Like He didn't necessarily have a lot of range. Uh, so like, but like when you're think, thinking of like the best actors on the show, it is that kind of thing. It's the, you know, the Phil Hartman's, the ones that, you know, they were kind of chameleons. Yeah. You know, when you cut to Farley, he, he was going to run with it. He would, he would do whatever. But yeah, like other people like, you know, like Adam Sandler, you cut to Adam Sandler, half the time he's going to be fucking phoning it in or yeah. not giving a shit. But I feel like the, like the Chris Parnells and, you know, like I guess they're, some, a lot of them are getting their due now, but I feel like they were always kind of the unsung heroes of the show. Yeah, um, but yeah, this crosstalk sketch, eh, real briefly, it's about uh, whether actresses are too thin, uh, and then yeah, it's just Chris Parnell lusting after the rail-thin women. I mean, if you look at my book, David, you'll see pictures of me at the height of my disorder. I have them right here. Okay. See, I was miserable. I weighed 85 pounds. Wow! I'll take it. <laughs> my hair was falling out. Oh, these are some great shots. Who took these? A nurse took them. Wow, well, they're great. You know, if you airbrushed out that IV, you could post these on the internet. That? No, it's not sure. wise. These fragile, waifish women are sexy. Extremely sexy. Like hot, wet baby birds. But are they healthy? Yeah, and then the, the 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 thing that I laughed at the most was the Laura Flynn Boyle cutaway. <laughs> it's just a cut up from like an old school like uh, animated short with like a skeleton dancing. <laughs> that was good. And then I think this is Rachel Dratch's first SNL appearance. I noticed she I was featuring. Yeah. player. Yeah, I think this was the first thing she got on the show is her Callista Flockhart impression. But but the Laura mm. Flynn Boyle thing, I remember because like I don't know if you've ever seen her now. Uh, she's gained a lot of weight. And I remember like seeing somebody, I think it was around the time of twin, the new Twin Peaks coming out. They were talking about whether she'd come back. And I remember, and this that was only a couple years ago, and I remember seeing a, a, somebody was commenting on it like, yeah, she's not going to come back because she's too fat now. <laughs> and it's like, remember when she was like famous, like really famous and like you know relevant? And everybody was like, oh, how real thin she is. And now right. like, she was too thin, now she's too fat. Like, I don't know, maybe just let her be a fucking human being. I think this season Laura Flynn Boyle hosts the show and her monologue is all about how skinny she is 
and the punchline is she lifts up her uh, shirt and it's just like you can see the outline of a pea in her stomach. She's like, see, I had dinner today. Uh, I don't know. Well, I remember the Britney Spears one was her moving boobs because everybody's so fascinated with her boobs. It's like, right. and she's, I think, like 19 maybe at the most. Yeah, you want to talk about that shit. Uh, Lindsay Lohan's first episode where she was, I believe, 17 years old. Oh, wow. And they, there's like three sketches where it, the whole point is everyone is just staring at her tits. Like, hey, Lindsay Lohan, you got big boobies. <laughs> this is News and Views. Here's my two cents, gang. If you only see one film the rest of your life, it should be Mickey Blue Eyes. (laughs) When it comes to window blinds, vertical blinds are terrific, but so are horizontal blinds. (laughs) Has anybody ever died of a heart attack? I mean, really? (laughs) I don't care what anyone says. In my book, Ted Kaczynski is not the Unabomber. Is this even a thing? Did he ever do... I know he did the interview show. Did he ever do, like, a Cronkite-style, like, this is just my musings on life thing? No, he had, like, a a little piece in USA Today that was Larry King's News and Views, and it would just be, like, one little sentence musings from Larry King. But that was written, right? Yeah. Yeah, he never did it on... That's what pissed me off about this. It's like... You're parodying a, a thing, but it's not a thing. Well, it is kind of a thing, but what would you rather see? Like, just still images of newsprint? Well, like, he was on TV at the time doing his interview, right? Uh, his, his yeah. Interview so have Larry King interview one of the cast members doing their shitty impression of another celebrity. I like this better. It's just, it's just Norm talking straight to the camera, saying some random shit. And then at one point, he just stares down that fucking camera for, like, 45 seconds. But I would think, like, I think that would have been a better context for if they wanted to do a Michael Jackson bit than the weird one they did at the end of the episode. If they'd had him being interviewed by Larry King, I think I probably would have gotten more out of it. Yeah, I, man, I got a I got a lot to say about that Michael Jackson sketch, but nothing about the actual sketch, just about how it let me down. Oh, yeah. Uh, anything about fun with real audio? I thought this was lame. Yeah, well, I this was always my least favorite of the, the Saturday TV Funhouse sketches. I always, I mean, I, I, I would say I like the ambiguously gay duo. That probably doesn't hold up in retrospect, but... Probably not. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I remember liking these, but I feel like a lot of them would just be crude for the sake of crude if I watched them again. This certainly was just like dumb for the sake yeah, of Yeah, that was basically the whole gag. They would just take, like, you know, a Bill Clinton press conference audio and then just animate, you know, like, fucking Bill Clinton, like, humping somebody's leg or something. Yeah, I got nothing for that. Yeah, that's all it was. Charlton Heston's giving a speech uh, to promote the NRA, and then apes show up and take him hostage, and then he meets God, who, like... Well, it's uh, the Ten Commandments. Yeah, but it, I... He should have been dressed as Moses, right? Well, I don't know. That the, did they even have any quotes from the Ten Commandments, or was that just a reference to the fact that he was in it? I don't. I don't. Rec- didn't recognize any actual lines from it. Yeah, I didn't quite get that part. Because then at the end, God like starts scrawling the Ten Commandments. But also, this one was weird because there was so much audio like over top of audio, like especially when the uh, Planet of the Apes things come in. Charlton Heston's talking in the background, the apes are talking in the foreground, and they were talking over themselves that I, I, I wasn't piecing everything together. Bright Eyes is remarkable. He keeps trying to form words. Guns should have an honorable place in our society. Speak. It's time young Americans to Go learn on. that firearm ownership is constitutional and that they he have a right to, to own something. a gun. The minute you and open the door, he goes into his arm. A large gun, a black gun, a purple the gun, music, a pretty gun, an ugly gun. Eight. Clinton camp will let anyone in the tent if there's a donkey on his hat or a check in the mail or some yen in the fortune cookie. Silence the animal! Um, I actually like both of the uh, the songs. Uh, we didn't we skipped them, but I I do enjoy both of those Dr. Dre songs. I'm, I'm not as much Dr. Dre, but Eminem just because like he does like the stunty like really fast like rap god and uh, Godzilla was another one recently. I I like that shit. Yeah, no, he's. Yeah, he's good. Um, you know what's not good? Colin Quinn. We were ta- were we talking la- even just last week about our least favorite weekend update hosts? And did I defend Colin Quinn? I think you did. 
Because, yeah, I feel like I need to retract that. I think he's the worst one. He was pretty bad. The only thing I kind of give him credit for is um, during the Lewinsky era, uh, he would start Weekend Update with, like, a comedic rant. Like, he wouldn't just jump straight into the bad jokes. He would, like, kind of show up and be like, so, this is what happened in the news. Lewinsky did this and this. And he'd have, like, a comedic take on the on the week's top stories, which was different from, you know, what anyone else ever did on that uh, segment. But this one... Oh, man, I did not smile at all. Well, I did, but not at him. I liked the uh, the bit they do, or the, the, the stuff that never happened. Oh, yeah, that was good. Uh, but that, had, that was a cutaway thing. That had nothing to do with Colin Quinn. Yeah, um, yeah this one was <laughs> celebrating the things that never happened, like Mark Twain and Skeletor dropping the atomic bomb on St. Louis. Weekend Updates, The Millennium, Part 2, Moments That Never Occurred. London, 1740. Mark Twain and Skeletor from He-Man have just won the Battle of Norway by dropping an atomic bomb on St. Louis. Meanwhile, in rural China, a kitten performs the first successful heart transplant. This leads to beloved funny woman Lucille Ball being put to death in the electric chair by Captain Crunch. These are the events that define our millennium. Complex, interwoven, not at all true. Moments that never occurred. No, that yeah, that I enjoyed. I mean, it was just a quick little thing, but it was funny. And then we got back to Colin Quinn, and I remembered. Oh, that's right, we're not watching a funny show. Right? Yeah, man, this Colin Quinn thing was dead. The only time I smiled at Colin Quinn was when he introduced Sherry O'Terry as Marler Maples. <laughs> that was one of I several mush. I literally wrote in my notes, "fucking mushmouth Colin Quinn." This week, Reform Party presidential hopeful Donald Trump has been involved in a nasty battle with ex-wife number two, Marla Maples, who threatened to quote expose Trump for what he really is. Here, with a further comment, is Marla Maples, which I guess is might be an interesting thing to talk about. What do you think Colin Quinn was feeling? He's the guy who took Norm's job, basically. I mean, not maliciously. They just were like, oh, fuck, we fired Norm, Colin Quinn. But I think there was no other reason Colin Quinn was on the show. He wasn't a fucking sketch player. Well, how, he long, was was he on, how long was he on the show before he got the update job? Maybe I, like two seasons? I felt like when he got update, I didn't know who he was. I thought they hired him for that show, for that. Like, I didn't remember that he was on the show for two years before that. Yeah, well, he was a featured player, um, and I think he was a writer. And a lot, most of the time, he would just be on update as just random characters who would just talk straight to camera. And so when you watch, like, the season before this, it almost feels, in hindsight, like they're breeding Colin to take over. Like, hey, look at this Colin Quinn guy. Get used to him, because he'll be replacing Norm next year. And for the record, I don't have a problem with Colin Quinn post-SNL. It's just, yeah, this put a, such a bad taste in my mouth, mostly because of how much I love Norm, and then all of a sudden, he even did, like, his first thing was like, yeah, I'm not Norm, I hope you like me. And it was like right. this kind of, like, and I remember that, like, nope, I don't fucking like you, man. Uh, but yeah, and this, yeah, I don't think he was good. I, 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 don't, I don't know how much of it was his fault, or just he wasn't just the guy for the job. But yeah, this this doesn't work for me. Yeah, but yeah, this it's it had to have been weird for him. There had to have been a conversation between Colin and Norm where <laughs> Norm just shows up. He's like, "So you got that uh, doing that weekend update thing?" Huh, all right. Well, I would not have been surprised if they'd had maybe Norm come in as a you know like a, a feature or a segment on it. Like they were gonna do something to do to either make fun of it or do like a bygones be bygones sort of thing. But then like they just nixed it for whatever reason. Like I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if that was planned. I feel like they, they, they should have. But then I also feel like maybe Norm was like, no, I'm like, because I think they were friends. I don't think there was anything like he was mad at Colin Quinn for taking the gig. So he probably was like, oh, yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't want to steal your thunder. You're doing your own thing. Yeah. But it would have been nice if it was just like, you know, they introduce it like weekend update with Norm McDonald. And then he like shows up with his papers. But then like an ABC executive like chases him out of the building or something. No, that would have been good, yeah. Yeah. Or he just oh, he comes yeah. on, Norm MacDonald. And here's the here's more about OJ. And, <laughs> <laughs> and now for today's OJ update, here's a commentary from Norm MacDonald. Oh yeah, no, that would have uh, been that would have been good. Uh, um, the only thing I do want to mention about the musical guests, uh, this is another reason why I love Norm MacDonald. When he introduces Dr. Trey and Snoop Dogg, and then he does it again when he introduces Dr. Dre and Eminem, he goes, 
Fellas? Eminem, fellas! I mean, that's just Norm Macdonald. That's... Nobody calls Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg fellas. I mean, if like a cop is arresting them because they don't know who they are and think they're just a couple of black guys on the prowl, they'll call them fellas, but yeah. Yeah, look, at, there's a couple of fellas up there doing their rap thing, Dr. Dre and Snoop. Hey, fellas, you ready? Well, there is one other thing I wanted to talk about with Weekend Update, uh, specifically the Marla Maples thing. Oh, yeah, we skipped over that. Did you catch, I think she said something about her vagina was like Ron Perlman? Oh, I didn't get that, but I did write the uh, line down when she said, this is Park Avenue Cooch. I did, I did like that. I like but that. But yeah, I didn't get the Ron Perlman She line. said, yeah, this is my, my Ron Perlman vagina, basically. Like, that was, I don't, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I mean, come on, this is Park Avenue Cooch over here, my friend. <laughs> Georgia Peach, we're talking about. You know what I mean, Skippy? I mean, this is Ron Perlman type stuff, Ace. <laughs> well, because Colin Quinn's hitting on her, and she's like, "No, I'm too good for you." And then she's like, "This is Ron Perlman, pussy." Is there somebody? Is that not the Ron Perlman we're thinking of? Is there somebody like an executive, maybe? Oh, maybe there's like a billionaire named Ron Perlman. Or maybe it was something else. Maybe it wasn't Ron Perlman. Maybe it was like Ron be- something. Oh, maybe we misheard it. But no, I heard Ron Perlman too, and I was like, Hellboy? That was just so, I, that's my only note for Weekend Update, is uh, Ron Perlman vagina. Ron Perlman pussy? And then, yeah, we're nearing the end of the show. We only got fucking three sketches left. And this one, I, I got nothing for this. See, Norm I think McDonald this is Sherry a good sketch on paper that just was not executed well. Yeah, it seemed like it wasn't rehearsed. And I really wanted to see Will Ferrell instead of Norm in oh, this yeah, sketch. Oh, yeah, that would have been much better. Yeah, well, because he does the yelling thing better. Norm well, Macdonald, no, yeah, funny you mentioned like... Because, yeah, it definitely feels like this is in the same world as the Get Off the Shed sketch, which, of course, ends every one of our episodes. Like, it, it could have been that same couple. Yeah, well, and then he did a lot with Sherry O'Terry, so I think their dynamic would have worked better. Because, yeah, this was just... And Will Ferrell seemed... was barely in the episode, now that I think about it. No, yeah, we didn't really see him at all. Other than, oh, other no, than um, James Lipton Jeopardy. at the end. Well, James Lipton and uh, Alex Trebek. And Alex Trebek, Which, yeah. I guess we could, we'll probably get another chance to talk about at some point, but fuck his Alex, Tre- Alex Trebek impression. Why is he British? What? <laughs> I think he's just trying to do pompous. I know, but it doesn't make any sense. Alex Trebek isn't pompous. I know, well, and then he, he also kept the mustache, like, years after Alex Trebek shaved his mustache off. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's that's far behind us. Let's talk about this dumbass toothbrush sketch. I got I got fucking nothing for it. Norm Macdonald and Sherry O'Terry are uh, husband and wife. He's a dentist. They're handing out candy to the tuna Ghostbusters, but every time they go back in the house, they fight. Shake our treat! Ah, that's right. Ah, I'm afraid no sweeps. Word! <laughs> Dig in, kid! Ah, there we go. Ah, all right. Well, I guess I'll make a phone call. Okay, here. what the hell are you doing? Huh? What the hell are you doing, I'm Don? I'm calling Cheryl, you incompetent hag! Put the phone down, Don! Don, don't! Hi, Cheryl. The, me, see, see this? You ready? Go! Well, that's great, Colleen, that's great. What are we going to do for Encore, huh? Start one of your famous crying jags about how you gave up a career in radio to marry me? I was a damn good jingle singer, you bastard, you! Oh, I rue the day I ever uncrossed my legs for you. Don't worry, you only did it once, you frigid cow. And that gave you the license to knock up my sister, huh? Well, huh? I guess. I mean, I, I don't mind, again, as a premise, the idea is like, fucking, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf is happening in the middle of trick-or-treating. That's, I, I get that. It's it's enough for me. The problem is, yeah, like all the missed cues, like every time she'd run out, like she'd forget to push the button, but she doesn't actually have to push the button, so afterwards, the music just starts on its own, but it's like sometimes she's dancing before it or after. It just feels very roughly put together. Yeah, and I think there's... a. Uh a specific point in the sketch where Norm just gave up and he was just kind of running out the clock. Well, it was to the point where uh, she said something and he responded with like, yeah, I guess. And it felt like, I was—I almost thought like, wait, are they improv this stuff and he just lost the thread? Because <laughs> that can't be true. 
Yeah, I I think something also technical may have happened that like threw them off. But yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. Even with that, it's kind of a nothing sketch. See, that's the thing. I feel like there are little tweaks. Will Ferrell being in the part rather than Norm. I think little things like you could have tweaked it and it would have been a really great kind of absurd 10 to 1 sketch. It's just I think like everything that could go wrong went wrong. It just kind of falls flat. Yeah. And you need a sharper transition from them fighting to the doorbell rings and they're like, oh, hey, kids, trick or treat. Um, I think that maybe just there was a couple times where, yeah, the music didn't come on at the, at the right time. So like Sherry Terry's dancing without music. But yeah, you really needed that to be quick. Like, you fucking bitch, you whore. Hey, kids, candy. Yeah, no, it, it, it needed to be much tighter than it was. And, like, you talk about that a lot with the modern era, like, the missed cues and things. This really reminded me of that. Like, this is, like, what they do now, where it's just, like, they they just kind of half not give a shit. Yeah, they're, man, their live sketches are just sometimes just, eh, whatever. It's a train wreck. Who cares? Uh, and, man. Speaking of train wrecks and who cares. What the fuck was this? As soon as Norm MacDonald is pouring drinks at a bar and Michael Jackson walks in, my fucking Norm MacDonald boner was at, like, full fucking throttle. There was <laughs> one just slight, not even really, almost pedophilia joke in this. When they reference Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, he has got a Macaulay Culkin Who, for the record, denies ever, anything ever happening. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, this should have been all been, hey, don't you fuck kids, Michael Jackson? Like, that should have been the whole fucking sketch. Yeah, maybe that was the point of it. It was like, hey, instead of doing that, we're going to subvert your expectations and just do a lame fucking sketch. Well, no, that's... You expect Norm to be calling him a pedophile every line, but instead it's just like, oh, hey, Michael Jackson, I'm sorry your uh, wife left you. That's too bad. And he's like, yeah, Norm doesn't even have any funny lines in this. Well, clearly the underlying joke is he's talking about how much he's a, a man's man and he's married to a woman. And your conception of Michael Jackson is that he's a, as, as Norm MacDonald famous put it, homosexual pedophile. Right. Alleged. But the thing is, you need to have that constantly at the forefront of your mind as you're watching it just to get the baseline joke. And then it's not even really that funny a joke. Or at least not relative to what it could have been if it just directly referenced the fact that, hey, Michael Jackson is a fucking dirty-ass pedophile. Double shot of Jack. Hey, 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 you're, you're Michael Jackson, aren't you? Yeah, you got a problem with that? Oh. No, sir, no, sir. Give me another shot. Oh, yeah, here you go. Listen, I read in the paper about uh, you divorcing your wife there. Uh, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, tell me about it. I love her so much. You know, I miss the little things, the sound of her laughter, the smell of her perfume, spending Sunday afternoon together polishing the elephant man's bones. <laughs> well, try not to think about it, huh? It's easy for you to say. But this is my second failed marriage. I don't know. I'm starting to think that there's maybe something wrong with me. Oh, no. You're perfectly normal. It's those wacky dames you married, see? Women are crazy. You can't trust them. If there's another man, I'll kill him. I swear to God, I'll track the son of a bitch down and kill him. Oh, now, now, calm down there, pal. Violence won't solve anything. But yes, it will. I'll kill him and bury him beneath the llama's cage. Oh, now you're just talking crazy. Well, and even as it is, so you have Michael Jackson coming into a bar, and he's like, oh, I'm sad that my wife left me. And then you got Norm MacDonald Tendon Bar. I think it needed to be more like... Michael Jackson was shocking Norm with, like, his straightness. Because Norm's going along with it. But the joke should have been, like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm, uh, no, I'm having sex with a woman, and I miss having sex with a lady. And then you just cut to Norm going, what? Huh? A lady, you say? You should have just said, like, you mean a, a little boy, right? No, no, a, la- a fully grown lady. I don't know what you're talking like about. A, a, All right. Like a, a, full, a lady? Like a, with, with a vagina and, and breasts? You mean like a, like a Thai lady boy, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, this was just a waste. And then, even worse, Jimmy Fallon coming in as Howard Stern, or maybe the ghost of John Lennon. I don't was fucking he? Yeah. know. I had to ask you, and you didn't know, and he never says how his name is Howard Stern. We finally put it together, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, it just fucking sucked ass. Yeah, Howard Stern's divorce must have been in the news this week, too, because yeah, then Howard Stern comes in and goes, hey, you're upset about your divorce, I'm upset about my divorce. By the way, I think I better, did a better Howard Stern impression just there. I think you were doing Jackie uh, uh, fucking Mason. I'm Howard Stone. Put your butt up to the microphone and fart. 
God, wouldn't Jackie Mason be great as a shock jock? <laughs> but yeah, he's weird. Like, he's got the hey, long... Hey, let me see your tits. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, he's got the long wig. He's got, like, a feathered shirt. And uh, he's got these th- glasses on. I was like, oh, John Lennon just showed up in the bar. At first, I was thinking, yeah, John Lennon or maybe fucking um, guy from the Rolling Stones. Like, like... Or like Jim Morrison or something? I don't know. Yeah, something. I And... It's just, yeah, why not just have, or, or have him come in as like Gary Glitter or like another famous pedophile. Like, yeah, you think you have it rough. That would have been better. Because, yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. The sketch is a complete waste. Let me tell you something, right? Let me tell you something about uh, women, right? <laughs> they ain't no damn good. Oof. What's wrong with you, buddy? I don't know if you heard, uh, me and my wife split up. But, yeah, it's definitely an impression that needs to be uh, preempted with, hi. I'm Howard Stern. Now we'll go and into now, my impression. In retrospect, I feel like I remember seeing like a clip of because they do the um, on the the Jimmy Fallon's late night show, which I watch clips of it at work because sometimes I run out of other things to watch at work on YouTube. I've had that before, work, where I'm like, Fuck. I work the weekend shift, yeah. so I have a lot of time on my hands. Uh, and so they, he had like the wheel of impressions where you have somebody who's known for their impressions on, and they do like, yeah, do one of your impressions doing singing this song or doing this thing. And then they cut to Jimmy Fallon. He has his own repertoire of impressions. And I feel like he's done Howard Stern before. And I think I remember even like then going, that doesn't sound any like fucking Howard Stern. No, man. I, I've said it before and I've said it again. Where the fuck did this rumor start that Jimmy Fallon can do impressions? Ugh. Well, I feel like that's... What was the... I'm trying to think the big one that he, he got, got started with. I, I, see, I, I really, vaguely remember seeing his like audition... I can't remember what it was now. I think he did Jerry Seinfeld. I think Maybe, that might have been one of his first because he did like Jerry Seinfeld with Jerry Seinfeld. And I know he I did remember Mick there... Jagger with Mick Jagger. Maybe because I remember there was one like, like, you remember how Jay Moore always had the reputation of doing a good Christopher Walken, but it really wasn't that good. Yeah, you look back on that and now like, and it sucks. And everybody has a Christopher Walken. But like, I feel like Jimmy Fallon had something like that where it was like, he's the best at this thing. And I don't even remember what it was now. Uh, Chris Rock? Yeah, I think it was Chris Rock. He does a dynamite now, Chris Rock. I, I feel like it might have been Diana Ross. But, uh... <laughs> Every once in a while, an actor graces the stage who is truly an icon of the American cinema. One such actor is with us today. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Clint Eastwood. This is the first Inside the Actors Studio with James Lipton. Before the joke kind of became, he was interviewing like stupid people. Like later on, he would interview Screech and um, Charles Nelson Riley, like people who wouldn't be on Inside the Actors Studio. But this time, he's interviewing Norm Macdonald as Clint Eastwood, and it's it's average. It's fine, but my problem with the sketch was always that like. James Lipton wasn't anything. This is something they saw his shitty show and went like, let's pa- let's make it fun of it. And then he became like a celebrity because of that. And that always kind of bothered me. Like, you're a celebrity because you suck. Yeah, I think the sketch that shows like how terrible his show is made his show a hit. And yeah, because it was just this obscure thing that Will Ferrell probably saw and went, that's a funny thing I can do an impression of. But yeah, now then it became a thing. And then James Lipton is on Arrested Development years later making fun of the personality that was not even real until Will Ferrell made fun. It was just this weird, like, meta up-its-own-ass thing that gave James Lipton a second-stage career. And it's like, no, you should have fucking died in poverty, asshole. Well, he's dead now, so there you go. Yeah, but he was probably relatively well off. (laughs) He should have died in poverty. I hate when people die happy. What is your least favorite word? Neatly trim beer. (laughs) What's your favorite curse word? Oh, that'd have to be you. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive? Well, I'd like to hear him say as he doffed his cap to me, Well, Clint, James Lipton is in hell right now being (laughs) raped by the devil. (laughs) I believe that would hit my ear just fine. Oh, hey, this is weird now that we're watching it in the background. Uh, Horatio Sands is in assless chaps at the Goodnights. 
I asked you about that. Was he even in the show yet? I guess I thought he wasn't. Uh, he no, he joined with Jimmy Fallon the same year. But there... that's what I thought. But he wasn't in the show at all, except apparently now in Ask the Chess. Yeah, I, yeah, we didn't see him at all in this episode. But I'm guessing there was a sketch that was cut, and Chess for Girls was a filler. Unless yeah. Horatio Sands is just like, hey, I'm going to wear my assless chaps at the Good Nights this week. Well, speaking of asses in the good nights, what's up fucking Eminem's ass? Why does he not seem to want to be there? Ah, that was his persona. Eminem is, isn't, he needs to look cool all the time. See, I feel like cause he, when he broke out, and I remember liking him at the time, he was the goofy one. He was the guy who did all the, the fun, wacky music videos. It was Why weird. He... Yeah, he'd be running around in like Superman tights, but then like they'd interview him and he'd be like, man, my lyrics are my fucking poetry, man. And like, Yeah, like when I made fun of Britney Spears' boobs. Yeah, and like, Weird Al, man, nah, I ain't gonna let you parody my music video, man. I ain't no clown. It's like, yeah, you kind of are. Well, I feel like you're mixing that up with Coolio. I don't think he ever tried to parody an Eminem song. No, he did. Weird Al, did he? he parodied uh, Lose Yourself for his Poodle Hat album, but Eminem refused to let him do a music video. I didn't. I remember he tried to do Lose Yourself. I didn't remember that, though. I didn't know, know that he, he stopped him from doing the music video. Yeah. So, I just uh, thought that was Amish Paradise. Um, no, I mean, well, yeah. Um, well, yeah, Coolio was pissed off about Amish Paradise, but yeah, Eminem... I, he, he let him parody the song, but like he would not let him do a music video for it for some reason. That's weird as fuck. Well, of course, I can kind of understand that just because that particular song is like autobiographical and, you know, it's very personal to him. I can kind of see that, at least more than Coolio. Like, fuck you, that song sucks anyway. <laughs> well, I think, like, Coolio, I don't even think had a say in it because that, that song's just ripped off of Stevie Wonder's Pastime Paradise. Yeah. It's the same thing. Well, beat. I mean, so I, I suppose. Yeah, so I think, like, I think Stevie Wonder got the check for that, for the Weird really, Al parody. I think so. I get. Well, I, I, does he does he actually have to pay them? Because you know, rights a parody. You don't. It's not like a licensing thing. Um, it's not like a cover. I think he does. Well, because I think he credits the original composers of his parodies. Oh, I guess then he would have to. Yeah, I think he does that. But I, I think. Like, well, he just does. I think he just does that because he's a nice guy. Yeah, I don't think legally he has to do that. I think he just does that because he's he's cool. But I guess that's weird that, like, just because of that, he would then have to pay them. I know. Because then, like, fucking don't be that nice. Just fucking do it. Yeah. It is it is weird. Weird Al. Did Disco Duck have to pay whatever I assume that was a parody of? Well, you would think Disco Duck would get sued with Disney's uh, fucking legal reach. I guess maybe not that... back in then. That was back in, like, the Black Cauldron era of Disney. Yeah. I guess they didn't even give a shit about Donald <laughs> They were like, oh, fuck it, man. Disco Duck. Let's do it. Did you know that he also did uh, uh, Disco Rilla after that? No. Yeah, he tried to do another one with a gorilla instead of a duck. Didn't go. Didn't go over yeah, well. Doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me at all. Wasn't the uh, the masterpiece that Disco Duck was? Was there a Miss Pac Man fever? I don't know, but there <laughs> should have been. been. <laughs> should have been the same song, Miss Pac Man fever. I mean, if only for, you know, the cause of feminism, I feel like. Pac-Man Jr. fever! I want more representation in my Pac-Man novelty <laughs> songs. Uh, Alright, so that's it for Norm. I, I mean, yeah, middle-of-the-road episode. Yeah, just really Yeah, I, I, I remembered it as being better than it was, but it's still probably one of the better episodes that we've watched for this podcast. Oh, yeah. And I feel like this should be the baseline for, like, anything worse than this is a bad one, anything better than this is a good one. Right. Yeah, that's right. Definitely middle of the road. Some good shit, some bad shit, like you get with every SNL episode. Uh, All right, okay, well, that's not going to work. I've rolled a random number generator to see what we're doing next week, and our plan is, instead of a movie, I think it would be cool to watch the lifeline of a recurring character, and I was going to use our SNL spreadsheet as a guide, but I rolled Dennis Miller, who's never had a fucking recurring character. Well, that's that's the thing too, because like, what if we roll one and it's like the only one is like, like somebody that has like a long ass running record? Because I don't want to do like Wayne's right. World. Well, Mike Myers you know? has has more than Wayne's World. Let's see what one thirty gets us. One thirty takes us to Sherry O'Terry. I mean, how many cheerleaders? There oh, gotta be a million cheerleader cheerleader would be too much. Uh, there's at least twenty of those. But um, I, I don't know. There's the Simma Down lady. <laughs> Okay, already, as soon as that that left my lips, I was like, maybe this isn't the best idea. Why don't we just pick a recurring character instead of leaving it to chance? Because that's the, that's the thing. 
we're, we're, we're so excited about this. And the more I talk it over in my head, it's like, yeah, but this is the thing we hate most about the show. Why are we uh, doing it? It's not stopping us yeah, from doing I it. Think Sherry O'Terry, I think he only got the Simma Down lady who <laughs> would just say Simma Down now. The cheerleaders, but there's way too many fucking of them. Is that going to be the best pilot for yeah, this probably project? Not. The Simma and Down. And we're rerolling. 144 takes us to, if this doesn't work, Pamela Stevenson. Okay, let's just pick a name off the spreadsheet. Hey, remember who boobs in, SNL, in uh, Superman okay, 3? That was great. So let's go down the list of names we haven't done. Fred Armisen. Uh, I guess there's Ferris. Barack Obama. There's too many of that, but he had Ferrisito, his like Latin character. Um, Dan Aykroyd, we could do the Coneheads. John Belushi, we could do something. Dana Carvey, we could start with Ching Chang. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just start with Ching Chang. Start with Ching Chang. I Let's rip the band-aid off I right away. I think that is a good place to start. Because if this experiment doesn't work with Ching Chang, or Ching Change, I'm, I'm not exactly sure the proper pronunciation. It can't be Ching Change. I believe it is Ching... It I think it's Ching Change because in one, he has a sister named Loose Change. Oh, that sucks. I mean, it sucks already, but uh, that sucks yeah. even worse. Can we even find him? Or have they excised him for, from the site for... I've, I've seen all of them. No, I, th- I thought maybe you couldn't find him on the There are eight, eight appearances. The first five are Ching Chang sketches, and then he makes cameo appearances in two more. And then for some reason, in 2000, Dana Carvey came back to host. I read about this. And he brought back Ching Chang. <laughs> so God. that's a good eight. <laughs> that's like Jimmy Fallon hosting now and bringing back Chris Rock. <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody loved this, yeah, right? this would be. So we got, we're going to watch eight sketches. All featuring the character of Ching Chang. Why did I suggest this? I think this is going to be fun. And then, like, if we feel like we didn't get enough Ching Chang, I say we also do the two Lyle the Effeminate heterosexual sketches. I had never heard of this until I saw it. It was just randomly recommended to me on YouTube. And I sent it to you, like, how the fuck did they get away with this shit? Dana Carvey did two... And I didn't even know about Ching Chang. eight Ching Changes, and then maybe... To Lyle the effeminate heterosexual. I'm I'm already saying it. Let's fucking do it. Yeah, because that's that's ten sketches. Well, because when else are we gonna watch Lyle the effeminate yeah, heterosexual? Yeah, that'll take us. That'll probably take us like thirty five minutes to watch all of those. So won't waste our whole damn day. So that's what we're doing next week. Ching change. <laughs> Ching change. Jesus fucking Christ, man. Uh, all right, so yeah, that's what we're doing next week. It's gonna be, God it's help gonna us be all. real problematic. <laughs> all right. Well, stay tuned for that. And uh, is that all our business yep. on this? On this the Ching Chang mini series next week. And until we see you again, get out. Get out. And get out.